Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Chad, plenty to get to. A lot of NFL news and notes. And uh, to help us do that as we kick off hour two, Dan Dockich joins us, host of Don't At Me here on the Outkick Network. Dan, hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Good to see you. And, uh, man, a lot to unpack from the weekend. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm going to be in town for the Colts and the um – Titans game this weekend. The great Mike Vrabel donated four passes, field passes, and his tickets to our charity, Dockage Cycles for the City. My brother bought them. So we're going to come in town, baby, and paint the town blue. I told him no hats, no Colts gear. The coach gave us tickets. Neutral colors only, no cheering. But thanks to Mike Vrabel, who uh, donated a bike to us, and he donated four tickets that we raised a lot of money for. So there you go, fellas. Dan, um... Swing by and say hello. Yeah, uh, definitely. De- definitely swing by and say hello. So I- I'm watching College Game Day on ESPN on Saturday, and I see a very weird sequence where Desmond Howard just breaks into the broadcast to call out <laughs> Pete Thamel for not being in the crowd and said, hey, what? Pete's, uh, Pete's been out here all year. Why-, why is he in the stadium now? And you could tell Reese Davis was uncomfortable even answering it, and he said, I think he should put on his big boy pants and get out here with the Michigan fans. And then Reese Davis says, well, he's had some threats from the lunatic friend, so we're trying to protect our guy Pete. And he said, well, I think he's put his big, big boy pants on and come out here with the rest of us. These Michigan fans aren't going to do anything. And I'm thinking, boy, this Michigan stuff has really got Michigan people losing their mind left and right. And Desmond Howard's another one of them. Yeah, you know, Desmond Howard's the guy that some white guy offended him on a plane. So he waited till the guy fell asleep and took pictures and made very racist statement about how the guy was rude to somebody. Oh, the caucasity of him, Howard said. Howard's a racist. Howard is a guy that I don't pay any attention to. He was a jerk in this instance. You're sitting on a set. Look, nobody needs to get death threats. I had a Michigan State fan, an unhinged Michigan State fan, show up at my daughter's work one time based on something I said. The lady... Uh, that is running the the Michigan State inquiry uh, into Mel Tucker is a friend of my sister's. They work together, and that woman had a deranged Michigan State fan show up at her door. When you get death threats, screw this. I ain't doing it, man. You guys, I'll put my big boy pants on anytime with you, Desmond Howard, if I were uh, Pete Thamel, but I ain't doing it. When you got these crazy people that have talked about killing, I had a guy, a state trooper in Iowa, ask on Facebook during a broadcast, if anybody has a gun, shoot Dockage in the head. He put that on Facebook during a broadcast. I think he subsequently got fired. He got suspended for that. He got fired later on. People are nuts. And Desmond Howard was a complete jackass in this. Desmond Howard should be fired. He should have been fired for racist statements a long time ago. But he will not be because he is among the protected. 
But his, what he did on that set is inexcusable. What he did on that set, he should be fired. Dan Dockich with us. Uh, plenty of firings uh, in college football, some of the NFL, which we'll get to in a moment. But it's also hiring season and raise season. Uh, percentage of coaches, Dan, that actually want to leave versus just use it for a raise, even though they're very average to mediocre as a coach and as a staff? Well, that's a great question. Um, I would think that most guys now want to do the Larry Brown move, which is get out before the posse. Larry Brown's smartest coach in the history of any type of coaching. He got out ahead, and he kept moving, and he kept cashing checks. Look, in the, in the era of college football or professional football, it's a little harder in pro football, but in college football, you want to get out because that posse is coming. That guy at Duke, that guy at Duke who went 5-3 and three and 4-4 four and four in his conference, I discard with Power 5 teams, I discard the overall record because you can play a series of, you know, non-competitive teams, but it's what you do in your – that dude got a golden parachute because, yes, I know his quarterback got hurt, but think about it. One more year without his quarterback, he goes 4-4. Four and four. Next thing you know, year four, uh, after a year three, he's going to be in the hot seat. He got lucky. He moved because it was a better job. He's one guy that got lucky. Others not so lucky. But I would argue that most coaches or a lot of coaches used to use, hey, look, they're looking at me, come give me a raise as leverage. I'm thinking now most coaches are pretty serious. I'm good about three, four years in one place. Then I better start, I better start getting the hell out of it. My brother and I told Tom Crean after he won his second Big Ten title, actually after he won his first, you need to leave Indiana. And he's like, what are you talking about? I said, Tom, not one single coach in football or basketball ever, ever at Indiana University has left on his own terms. Now, Tom Allen got 15.5. That's pretty good for a guy who went 3-24 and over his last three years. I'm not saying they didn't leave richer. I left richer, hell being an interim coach for seven games. But nobody there leaves on your own terms, so it isn't a bad move to skedaddle about every three or four years if you can. I want to get back to that Indiana job here momentarily, but you mentioned Mike Elko leaving Duke for Texas A&M. Word gets out that he was telling his team about it over Zoom uh, a day after it happened and that none of the Duke players showed up. Very few did for the Zoom meeting. Uh, is there a right way to go about doing this? Because when these coaches leave, I know their agents and everyone are saying, don't tell anyone until it's final, until we get the contract signed. Well, then word leaks out through the media. And then by the time you get around to telling your team, it's so anticlimactic, you've already left. How should a coach go about doing this when they're leaving uh, one uh, program for another? I'm going to tell you how I did it, and I thought this was the right way to do it in my circumstance. When I left Bowling Green to go become the head basketball coach at West Virginia, I knew I was going to West Virginia, and I was either going to take the job or not take the job. I wasn't, I'd already interviewed, blah, 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 blah. So I called a team meeting before I went there, and I said, look, fellas, here is exactly what I'm doing. I'm flying to West Virginia. I will not have time to come back because I have told them, if you guys are offered, that we're having a press conference. So, fellas, I may take the West Virginia job. I don't know. I don't – at that time, now, there wasn't Twitter and all that kind of stuff, but I wouldn't care even now. This is – I want to address my team. I want to look my players in the eye, and I want to address my players because I had told them where, what I was going to do relative to another job in the recruiting process. So I went to West Virginia. They offered me the job. We had a press conference. I came back, and I met with them, and a lot of them were thankful now – 
Here's the other side of it. Uh, when I left West Virginia after eight days, I had told the president and AD, stick this job up your you-know-what, blah, 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 blah. I waited. I turned in my car. I turned in everything, and I waited till 6 a.m. the next morning to meet the players that were working out for me, that were the players at West Virginia. I met them in the weight room at 6 in the morning. I wanted to look them in the eye. I wanted to hear it from me. Fellas, I appreciate your effort, but I'm not going to be the coach. It's really none of your concern why. You guys are going to get a great coach. They did with Beeline, but I'm not going to be that guy. And I shook every one of their hands, and I thanked them for how hard they had worked because I came in there as a madman, made them do things they'd never thought they were going to do. So my point is, I always think you should do this face-to-face. You know if you are going somewhere and you're going to get the job. Because everything is done in the background. Everything, every job, I've told you guys maybe this before. Marshall offered me job, the job twice. Both times before they even let the coach that was there go. Actually, the first time, Dwight Freeman was not let go. They offered me a job. Second time, the AD said, Billy Donovan is resigning today. Do you want this job? That's how this goes. So schools know, coaches know, you owe it to, be, to your players when you know you are c- taking the job to tell them in person, screw this Zoom crap, screw any of this other crap. And you've got to tell that school, listen, this is how I'm doing it with these kids. Anything other than that is chicken blank. And Elko was chicken blank. And I don't blame his his players for not showing. Check out Don't At Me with Dan Donkich mornings, 9 a.m. Eastern right here on the Outkick Network. Uh, My reaction when I heard, I I was at the game yesterday for Titans-Panthers. I was not in in the concourse corridor area, locker room where David Tepper is overheard leaving the locker room, uh, <laughs> dropping F-bombs. Um, you know what I thought of? I thought of the in-season hard knocks where Frank Reich's the head coach for the Colts. They lose in Jacksonville in a win-and-end situation, and he's just very soft and you know, uh, beta about, oh, guys, you know, s- s- these things tend to happen sometimes. We just got to get... We got to get closer. Get, it's not get our back day. I don't know. And there were already rumblings that Tepper was fed up of what was going on, and that the offense was lifeless, directionless. He wanted to see some improvement, and he didn't see it. But that report paired with just his blow up as he left the locker room, I, I just compared the two, and I thought, well, Ursay kept him around for another year. Tepper wants him out immediately mid-season after he tabbed him as the guy to go and pick the quarterback that he wanted, number one overall. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I said this today. It took David Tepper 11 games that it took Jimmy Ursay five years to figure out. Yeah. Like, I'm telling you, man, Ed Hard Knocks killed Frank Wright. I'll never understand how the media got so in pocket. What's his name? The little guy on Fox, uh, Jay Glazer. He's coming at me a couple years ago hard on Twitter because Frank Reich is an elite coach. And I go, man, I don't know how you have a job, son, because Frank Reich is anything but an elite coach. And then all of a sudden, Hard Knocks comes out, and boom. You know, Frank Reich is a very nice man. He's a fantastic dad father. But there are red flags, and I said this at the time in India. I remember Kaharski used to get mad at me on this show because I said, you know, all the idiots here in Indy think that Reich is this great coach. But you could see it. You, you, you could. I mean, look, I don't care. Soft. I've always said this. There's a couple adjectives or a couple cliches in coaching that are 100%. You can always lighten up. You can't toughen up. You, you just can't. And to players, kindness is weakness. 
Like, if you come in as this kind man, it's great for a little bit, and then they take advantage of you. And there is talk now, one of the reasons people are saying that the Colts are doing well is because there's a sense of order and discipline in the locker room that wasn't there when Reich was there. Players would show up when they want. They'd be eating in meetings. They'd be doing things that you just don't do to have a winning culture with time and, and, and effort. And Reich was such a nice guy, a religious guy, all that, or a non-confrontational guy. And look, if I'm Tepper, I should have known that. You should have known that. All you got to do is know one thing. The Colts got rid of Frank Reich, who Jimmy Ursay really liked, to hire who? Jeff Saturday. Now think about it. And I'm going to go and, and hire him. Tepper got what he wanted, but when I heard he came outside dropping an F-bomb, look, Screaming every it. owner knows. How many... How many times have you seen Jimmy Ursay, like here in Indy, I don't know about your owner, but here in Indy, every time Jimmy Ursay goes into the locker room after the game, there's cameras. Every time he comes out of the locker room after a game, there's a million cameras. And every time they lose and he comes out of the locker room, there's two million cameras. So Tepper knew exactly. And if he didn't, he's really stupid. And an owner of an NFL franchise may be a lot of things, but I just don't think they're stupid. Dan, I'm glad you brought up Jim Ursay. I don't know if you saw the HBO uh, Real Sports piece. We had Andrew yeah. Kramer on to talk about it. Uh, I'm watching Jim Ursay in this thing, and the, the, the main thing that comes to my mind the whole time is concern. Uh, I'm concerned for his well-being, his health. Uh, he's having a hard time walking uh, when I'm watching this piece, just the way he sounds. Uh, you know this situation better than most. What did you make of the piece, and what do you think about – Jim Ursay now, owner of the Colts, and his role with the team. Well, first off, I mean, saying that you're uh, targeted or prejudiced is what his word was against because you're, yeah, you're a rich white billionaire in Carmel, Indiana, which may be among the richest cities uh, in the world. It's one of the richest uh, towns. It's it's the richest town in Indiana, richest in the uh, Midwest, and I don't know what to tell you. If you think you're being prejudiced, his words, by the Carmel police, you're out of your mind. That means the world's upside down. Here's the deal, uh, Chad. Last year, two years ago, I was at Colts camp on my 60th birthday, and here comes Jimmy Ursay, and he gives me this football, and it's a, and I'm like, Jimmy, I figured you'd want to punch me in the head. He goes, ah, you're controversial. I like it. I said, that's cool. He was very nice, but here's what struck me. He couldn't function. He, he, he couldn't move. He couldn't walk. And I looked it up. I thought he was like 75 years old. He's like three years older than me. And I, I, I was stunned. He had to be helped around. He's decrepit. His mind, he can't. And I'm, I'm watching that HBO special, and I'm thinking to myself, man, somebody better figure this out and keep him away from the camera. Now, he's a billionaire. Who the hell is going to do that? He's, he's great in the community. We all love him. I love Jimmy Ursay, even though I, I ripped that. I'm like, what is the world upside down? White billionaires in Carmel, Indiana? Like, look, Gary, Indiana. Hey, I get it. Where I'm from, it's about 98% African-American. Yeah, maybe they're mad. I don't know. But not Carmel, Indiana, for crying out loud. That's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. So long story short, uh, I feel bad for him. He can't move. He really is, when you see him in person, he's just, it's sad. And you go, God dang, man. Like, what a hard life because it's not good. And he, you know, I used to think 60 was the oldest thing in the world. Now I'm 61 and I can go play pickleball. I can move. I can do all this stuff. And I swear to God, fellas, he couldn't move. And that Hard Knocks thing did not, or that uh, HBO thing did nothing to help him. Carmel, Indiana, you got to understand Carmel, Indiana that he's bitching about. 
It is the most white bread, rich, money place in the world. Like in, in, in America, it's one of the five best play. It's unbelievable that he would say that in Carmel, Indiana, if you know Carmel, Indiana. Final 20 seconds here, Dan. Uh, what do you make, just tying it back into Indiana, John Gruden rumors as a wild card hire for Indiana football? He wants the job. He, he wants the job. That's a fact. That, that wow. I know. Very good friend of his. Big time yeah, rumor he coming here on job. the show. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't. Now, the guy put it out who's connected to the athletic director that John Gruden is not a candidate. Okay. I texted the athletic director last night. He's a friend of mine. He was a manager on a basketball team when I was a player. I've known Scott Dolson for 50 years or whatever. He's going to be noncommittal with me. Uh, but I, I don't know whether Gruden's a candidate or not. I don't know who's a candidate, but I know he wants the job. That is a fact, Jack. 100%. 100%. I've seen Tommy Reese and John Gruden's name drop for Indiana. Never thought I'd see a, a coaching Gruden. search for that, that you know he was, wide You of know a goal. he was from there. You know – you know he lived there. He lived there, was a ball boy for the basketball team when his dad was coaching at Indiana. A lot of friends at Indiana. A lot of talk would be about Indiana football if they hire him. Dan, thank, thank you, Dan. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sixth and Peabody are located with Ehop Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot my with Hutton and Withrow rolls on. Here How on the about our Network. guy, Dan Dockage, giving us the juiciest groomer yet? That John Gruden, uh, groomers, by the way, for the uninitiated, yes. are rumors about John Gruden. Gruden rumors, hence groomers, for any college job. And he says he wants the job. He, he wants the job at Indiana. What football job would Gruden not want right now? And by the way, it's a guy who was always mentioned for Tennessee every time the job was open. And I think that he probably put it out there that he was interested or wanted the job. I agree. Through someone, his agent or someone, to just get that attention. But never really wanted the college job. No. And you're going to jump into the Indiana mix? Yeah. In I, that uh, Big Ten? Well, hey, if, if hey, Dan <laughs> nails this, gets it right, that would be, uh, that'd be great. Perfect timing also is uh, Dan – said something bad about Jay Glazer and we cut to a commercial break and it's an interview with Jay Glazer on Charlie Arnott's show yeah. that someone uh, pointed to in the chat, which was, which was humorous, humorous timing on that. Speaking of timing, the, um, I don't know if you saw it, but I asked Dan about this. The, the Desmond Howard, Pete Thamel yeah. thing was so weird. I was not watching in the moment, but then I think awful announcing had a clip of it. They posted that this was an awkward back and forth. Yeah, you sent me you sent me a clip. To Desmond it. Howard was like, "Why is he not out here amongst the people?" Um, Desmond Howard has been very strange on air since this whole Michigan thing started. And, uh, and the he's whole almost thing, sullen. Yes, there's a lack of energy. He seems very down. Then you have this moment, and I'm thinking, if you work on that show, you're on ESPN College Game Day, you have to understand that Pete Thamel's job is the Adam Schefter of college football that he is there to just report news. He's their news guy on the broadcast. Do you really hold it against him 
for reporting news on on Michigan, do you not comprehend and understand if you're Desmond Howard, that's his job, and you can't hold any personal ill will towards him? I thought it was sort of a personal cheap shot moment. Well, he was also from saying Desmond like, Howard, that was weird. Yeah, he was also saying, hey, report the news from the game day set. You know, you come out here and do it. Why are you in the studio? Why, why are you in the stadium? It was, and then Reese uh, Davis had to say because he's been threatened, and then he said, yeah. "Well, put your big boy pants on and come right. out here." I'm thinking, what? It was an odd moment uh, for ESPN, and again, it's a lack of. I really think this whole thing has made some Michigan people a little bit crazy, crazy defensive about everything, and they've gone a little nuts with it. And I think that was a moment that we saw Desmond Howard go a little bit nuts with this when he's telling Pete Thamel to put on his big boy pants. And come out amongst the people because I'm sure ESPN probably told him, hey, because you've gotten some stuff on social media, we're just going to put you in the stadium for your hits today. I'm sure he was probably told that. But he's demanding Pete Thamel come out on the game day set and face the Michigan crowd was very weird. And then he asked for the mic, too. You know, he looked around. He's like, can I jump in here? You know, almost like saying he was going to flip the combo a bit after the Thamel report while looking at the Buckeye in Herb Street. Yeah, I mean, look, Jake says, I think Michigan fans were upset that he wasn't reporting full stories and just one-sided. They said, I didn't care. What story did he not report from the Michigan side? The one that the Michigan writers said that no one at Michigan knew about Connor Stallions? Uh, that right. be- became false when they had to fire someone over it? Uh, what, Central Michigan side of things? The, yeah, did, did, did he not report the Central Michigan AD's report on the investigation yeah. into how Connor Stallions got the pass? I, I'm not... You're going to have to be specific about what side he didn't report on all this because there's nothing that's come out on the Michigan side that has proven true in all of this. All that I keep hearing from Jake and other Michigan fans is, well, prove it. There's no proof that Harbaugh knew. Show me the proof. Show me the proof that Harbaugh knew. Michigan tried to fight it in court and decided to not fight it, and then they fired an assistant coach because of some other stuff that they've gotten info-wise. So, again, I, I think that's just crazy of Desmond Howard and honestly feeds the lunatic fringe of Michigan a little bit more with Pete Thamel. I thought it was a weird moment. Chad, alphas and betas of the weekend, uh, plenty to choose from, but we start with the alpha list in, in Florida State um, and uh, the come-from-behind victory and, and doing so with their defense on the road in the swamp, keeping their uh, perfect season alive. And it, it's, it's hard to fathom an unbeaten Florida State ACC champion not getting to the college football playoff. And we've gone from a couple of weeks ago pointing to Washington being the, uh, tying back in Michigan's comments, America's team. And now all of a sudden you're watching things in Tallahassee and I'm pulling for them against Louisville because the committee needs to put them in. I, I'm not a believer that they will. But if they go unbeaten and then win the ACC title, they should be in the college football playoff. Backup quarterback, they're cutting a Jordan Travis in a coach's box. Rodemaker not playing great. No. Um, they're down 12 nothing in the swamp. Heated rivalry game. A chance for Florida to salvage their entire season with the win. And then Florida defensive tackle Jamari Lyons spits in the face of a Florida State player and gets ejected, and the game completely turns. And then a Florida player with a blatant cheap shot yes. on Rodemaker late. That was as dirty as you're going to see of a mm-hmm. hit with about three minutes and 15 seconds left. And then Trey Benson scores after that. That is how an alpha response. Florida State was getting kicked in the teeth. Then they got spat in their face. And they responded by winning at Florida on the road. I commend them. 
They won with a backup quarterback, and they won by running the football with Trey Benson, who is a great player for that Florida State team. Certainly one of the alphas of the week, the way they responded on the road in that game with a backup quarterback. And Hutton, I just hope that if they go undefeated, they're not left out. And out- I, I fear they will be, but I hope that's not the case. Outscored the Gators 17-3 in the second half uh, of that football game. Uh, wrong team favored. And Billy Napier's got some that. explaining to do, not just about the 5-7 and seven record with a tough with a tough schedule, but about some of that stuff. That That's the stuff that bothers me if I'm a Gators fan, is you're, you're winning this game and you got a guy spitting on someone and getting ejected. You got dirty hits. You got stupid play in that game. Florida should have won that and, game. And, had a very good chance at winning it, and they were just a dumber team. And that was the stuff he was tasked with and, and demanded that he was going to get rid of in year one. Remember, he was running off players like that. Leading tackler last year, he kicked off the team. What, a handful of games into the season? Instead, it's now three straight losing seasons yes. for the Florida Gators, two of which fall under Napier's watch. Chad, uh, Zach Selman, Mississippi State Athletic Director, uh, think that uh, he's feeling like an alpha after his hire of Jeff Levy, the Bulldogs program, going straight offense. Uh, it, uh, what, are the, what do they say? What, what are the uh, best offensive minds yeah. in the statement? And he's been carried like a champion <laughs> as they get there uh, back to campus at the uh, at the the airport headed to campus for the presser with all the cowbells and everything in tow. Yeah, he made the right hire for the program, and Levy's coming from Oklahoma after being at Ole Miss. Also an alpha move to open up a private airplane hangar in Starkville for a pep rally. I don't know that I've seen that. That airplane hangar opened up when they land for a, a party immediately for Jeff Levy. Uh, that was terrific. This was a very old-school hire, and I love it. This is how coaching hires were done for 60 years in the SEC, not the airplane hangar party that we saw. But you go get the top assistant. You know you can hire them. You go and negotiate with them. You hire them quietly. There's not any real speculation about the Mississippi State job and who they're talking to. And they go and get their guy in Jeff Levy. I don't know if it's going to work out. He's never been a head coach before. But he's from that Art Bryles, Josh Heupel tree that puts up a ton of points and – and can be effective in the SEC as we've seen. Um, so I look, I like the hire for for Mississippi State. I'm I'm with you, and I think this was a very alpha move and also a very old school move by Selden to get this thing done so quickly. Yeah, and did it with Matt Corral, right? Yeah, uh, at Ole Miss, then goes to Oklahoma for the year, and I'm I'm really intrigued about the Art Bryles stuff too, because that was an issue at Oklahoma this season, just having him come on the field for photo ops as his father. I think he's going to get hired. I think he's going to have an on. I think he's going to be either the offensive coordinator, a quarterback coach. I think that he gets back into coaching at Mississippi State. And this is not a knock on on Mississippi State. I believe Starkville, Mississippi to be the perfect place for Art Bryles to re-enter college coaching. And it's going to be a big issue nationally for a little while, and then it's going to go away. And people are going to be just fine with it by the time the season gets here. And he's going to be on the sideline or in a coaching box helping out his his son-in-law. And I think everything's going to be fine. But I think this is his chance to get back into it. Interesting that Will Rogers is entering the portal with Levy coming there. Says he's not going to be there. Probably just doesn't want to go through more change, I'm but guessing. The, the track record with Levy, with, you know, Mackenzie Milton yeah, comes to mind. And, and, you know, I don't know if he feels like, hey, I'm – I don't know. I, I have oh, yeah, no I idea why he, he wouldn't want to stay for the offensive guy. But maybe they convince him to stay. You know, he's not gone anywhere yet. You've got a new coach now. Maybe they convince him to come back. Chad, uh, final alpha. Sean Payton 
and the job he's done with the Denver Broncos, Russell Wilson, the, the defense playing well, they get it done again. They now have won five straight and are staring at the NFL playoffs after a, what, five or six-week span where they were laughed at. I mean, week five was the matchup between the Broncos and the Jets and how it was the Nathaniel Hackett you know, re revenge game yeah. back at mile high for two of the worst teams. And it was Hackett did a better job than Sean Payton, or it was on par with that after the comments made by Payton. Look at the turnaround now and the full buy-in. And just knowing the schedule ahead for them with the AFC West and what they've done over this five-game stretch where, I mean, it's not like they're playing the Giants twice like the Cowboys have done. The Cowboys are a good team, but it's not like their schedule stacks up like that. They've had to go through some tough environments and some tough quarterbacks, and they've come out looking at the playoffs as we're about to head into December. It's a great turnaround and a great coaching job for a coach that was the butt of the joke Yeah, just a handful of weeks ago. What a difference a, a, a little over a month, month and a half makes in the course of an NFL season. You're right. There was the revenge game for, yeah. for the Jets and Nathaniel Hackett, and now you look at the Jets offensively and – where it is really not working out for him. And, and Sean Payton looks like Sean Payton. A guy who won a ton of games and had a ton of success in New Orleans, and his team is stuck with it, and they're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel now. Kudos to him, and he's being the alpha that you trade for for a head coach, that you give up draft picks for, because you know he's done it before and can do it again. He's doing it now in Denver. And they're 1-5. and five. They're now 6-5 and five right now uh, in the AFC. And Russell Wilson continuing to play well. Seems like uh, Peyton's got him right as well. Uh, how about from the beta perspective, Ryan Day? And just do all this, all the talk, all the, and I said the, the, the chirping, the screaming, the emotion after the win against Notre Dame earlier this year. To me, that was speaking more to the pressure of what he has heard over the last year since losing to Michigan and losing up front in the trenches and talking about being physical and anyone that doesn't see that, they're idiots, specifically calling out Lou Holtz. I, when it actually mattered, Chad, Michigan went on a drive, eight clock, and did it by running the football nine times. And they got it done against Ryan Day's Ohio State Buckeye defensive front. Again. Again. I'll be brief with this volumes. One. And for a program that we talked about with Michigan that has to prove it now against the college football playoff opponents, but all they've done is they prove that they're that team against Ohio State. I'll be brief with this one so we can get to our, our final two betas. We've talked about it. Ryan Day, I want to know where the hell you know Lou Holtz is now after the Notre Dame game to the conclusion of that Michigan game. <laughs> yeah. This is what Lou Holtz was talking about, Ryan. Fourth and one with a chance to set the tone and you bring your punter on the field and you don't go for one fourth down on the day. This is what Lou Holtz talked about. Michigan is the tougher team and currently the tougher program. Ryan Day, at least for one Saturday, and it's been this way the last three years on this particular Saturday, is a beta. Fourth and 31 defense, a beta for Auburn. Let me preface this by saying, what a throw and catch. Unbelievable. In a perfect spot. Perfect. Perfect spot. But you can't get that football on the ground as an incomplete pass. You can't put more pressure on the quarterback. Well, here's what bothers me about it. If you're going to just rush two or th I think they had three. 
rushing, five guys block. You got eight guys in coverage. The play starts perfectly. Yeah. You got four or five guys spanned out on the goal line, not letting them score a touchdown. You got to have two or three guys in the end zone or the back of the end zone that's just looking at the quarterback. Play center field. That's spanned out. And once that ball is in the air, you got a guy running to it to disrupt the play. There should never be a scenario where you've got face man coverage one on one with one guy. There needs to be someone else breaking to that football in the corner of the end zone to disrupt that play and not a guy who doesn't see the ball. That was a great throw. That looked way too easy for what that play was and the way they dropped it in there. I mean, he was a good yard and a half, two yards away from the defensive back who's just looking back at him, playing him and not the ball. Atrocious fourth and 31 defense for the Auburn Tigers cost them a game. What is it about that game, the Iron Bowl, that produces so many classic finishes? You know, three overtime game recently. Kick six. Kick six. Uh, Countless, countless ones. And then Milrow with another classic. And then you, He's did a you legend see the, the series did now you forever. see the post where you had the the both sidelines and then you had the actual play in the middle and you could see the reaction from Save and the reaction from the Auburn sideline simultaneously. By the way, also great the name of that play, Gravedigger, is what they revealed. That's the name of the play they ran to beat Auburn. That's a good play name. It is. Coming up, that's my quarterback. Plus, Greg Popovich doesn't like former players booed whenever playing. Sixth and Peabody are located with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow here on the Outkick Network. Coming up, we've got uh, Timmy B, Tim Brando, who Timmy will join B. us. Timmy B. Plus, Billy Lucci will join us. Uh, that's coming up later in uh, hour number three uh, over the next uh, hour and 15 minutes. Reaction to the weekend. Chad, uh, so... We live in an age where everyone gets a tribute video now for returning as a former player. Or, uh, even at, at the very average players that have been long time, maybe draft picks that go back to the franchise. We see this a lot in hockey. Uh, where they get the tribute video. And then if they don't get it, they're upset about it. Yeah. Right? Uh, I've never... I, I, maybe I'm overlooking it. I don't recall anything like Greg Popovich and what he did uh, early last weekend. Uh, grabbing the mic from the public address announcer while Kawhi Leonard's at the free throw line in between free throws and addressing the Spurs crowd, telling them to stop. That's not how we conduct ourselves here. Stop booing him. And then doubling down on it and saying that he doesn't regret grabbing the mic and doing that uh, when he says that it was hateful and mean-spirited and booing a former player who's at the free throw line uh, it, it, not like dribbling the ball up the court at the free throw line, uh, saying it was hateful and mean-spirited. Uh, does it surprise me that Popovich is behind this? No. Um, but you're telling me that uh, booing a former player is somehow prohibited well, in not, the NBA? It's not just booing. Like I get it if like he was traded and didn't know about it, or he got cut, or he let. He was asking for a trade. Like he wanted to leave the Spurs. So fans feel scorned by that after supporting him for a while and not fully understanding why he wanted to leave. They have every right to boo when he comes back. Kawhi Leonard did not seem affected by it, by the way. He, is, he, he seems affected by nothing on the court, no. just with his demeanor. But I don't think he cared one it's way or the other. This is not high school. It's not high school. It's not also, middle school. 
this, this, this comes with the territory of being a professional athlete. Greg Popovich is hateful a lot. <laughs> like, it's weird coming from Popovich. I would get it if it was like some, you know, happy-go-lucky, always smiling, always positive coach guy that's like, hey, guys, let's not be negative. There's too much negativity in this country right now. There's too much division. Let's not feed into that hate with someone. It's- Greg Popovich is an old curmudgeon yeah. who's constantly angry with reporters and angry in the sideline interviews during games, courtside interviews at halftime. It's it was weird coming from him. Well, how about this though? He, and I thought he, just he's a also, lack of self awareness too. Yes, he goes. I, he, I felt sorry for him. Is what he said. You felt sorry for Kawhi. Come on, man. And he said he was embarrassed for for his city and his organization. Uh, says who? Who says that other than you? That that it was an embarrassment. And then he has the applause. And and listening and watching the clip, it's not like it was raining booze. It wasn't that no, it was loud. It was like a, a little a little rumble of booze yes. in the background. Yeah, ridiculous. Uh, a beta of the weekend there. Well, and uh, uh, Allie says, I thought it was funny that Pop did that. That's a man using his power to protect someone he loves, which I find funny because Leonard doesn't love him enough to want to stay with the Spurs back in the day. He wanted out, but he's protecting someone he loves. Those fans have every right not to love Kawhi Leonard. And booing is a time-tested universal tool that fans have to use. They don't always use it correctly. I'll agree with that. And sometimes it is frustrating when you're watching a game and fans aren't booing at what they should be booing at or getting too quick to boos. I understand how that frustrates coaches or players. This is a rightful boo. It's a righteous boo. It's a guy they supported that wanted out, that got his wish and got out. So when he comes back and visits, you boo him. I have no issue with this at all. My, uh, and Greg Popovich, who's been around this long, should know that. My my initial thoughts when I read his quote here, when he doubled out, I listened to it for a while. It got louder and louder, uglier and uglier. I felt sorry for him. And I was embarrassed for our city and our organization. That's not who we are. That's not how we've conducted ourselves for the last 25 years. It's the opposite of the way we've conducted ourselves and the way we've worked in the community. Uh, Pop, would you say this about your crowd booing an official? Let's just leave it at that. No, you wouldn't. That could I mean that blanket statement should go for anything if that's the case. So, no. You just love the player who helped you win a title and now he helped beat you by 7 points. Two of those points come in at the free throw line by the way in that instance. Chat uh Scott Hansen he gets after it for NFL Red Zone. And out in L.A., they had the alarms going off. They had to evacuate the building in the middle of yesterday's NFL action. And initially, he just keeps talking through it. But they had to cut and evacuate everyone. And they ended up just sticking with the Chiefs-Raiders game for the duration of the broadcast uh, because of everyone being out of the studio. But we but also he, learned and he had that, to apologize. We also learned that there is a um, and I saw this all, all over social media, there's a backup red zone crew at the NFL headquarters in New Jersey. I think it is, and they were on standby ready to go, but they never got the call. And they said, "We're the backup quarterback always here, ready to go on and broadcast when needed," but they just stuck with that game until they could get Scott Hansen back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a first in my 21 years of broadcasting. We were being told we need to evacuate the building. We do not know the nature of the emergency. It's something absolutely unprecedented for us. Turned out to be a false alarm. Chad, going back to one of your complaints. 
Hey, I, I admire that they acknowledge the alarm, uh, not knowing if it was false or not at the time, and someone got him to evacuate just in case that building was on fire. Usually when there's alarm happening, as we've seen here uh, in our venue, people just continue drinking, having a good time, uh, not acknowledging it one way or the other, well, just assuming that it's a, a false alarm. But this alarm had like the voice over it, like telling people to evacuate the building, and he was just talking over it. <laughs> so it reminds me of the uh, Howard Stern prank. Yeah, oh yeah. But also had voiceover. Oh, Bobo, Bobo, not so stupid. <laughs> also had the voiceover of, you know, this is, uh, this is happening. Uh, here's some uh, talking and uh, audio. It's a voiceover. T.O.'s about to tell you why Davey Hudson's joining us. It's my quarterback. Gentlemen, it's been an eventful season for NFL quarterbacks, some good and a lot of bad, if I'm being honest. And where we start today... Just give me anybody else. We've hit that point. I've seen a lot of these quarterbacks play, and I hope I never see them play again. But who is that quarterback for you where you're just done watching them play? Chad, I want you to go first because I'm going outside the box here okay. with mine. Davey, by the way, looks like this is an outfit that Michael Jordan would have wore in like 1991 yeah. uh, just with the Jordan logo on it. It's like it's he's on Letterman perfect, showing off the new. Perfect new. Chicago Bulls themed black glasses, black undershirt, red and black pullover. From North Carolina. Remember the original Michael Jordans? The the oh, the yeah. red the red, white, and black the yeah. from nineteen eighty four. I feel like Davey could be wearing those right now and he could pull it off. Do you need new shoes? Um <laughs> those those might be a little too rich for your blood. I don't know who's funding this project. The original, um, yeah. I don't know who's funding Mac Jones right now, but I, I want it to cease <laughs> because I am tired of them the Patriots trotting this guy out. They pull him overseas and then uh, uh hey these guys are competing bailey's happy and mac no turns out they knew that mac jones is going to start all along and then they have to pull mac jones again be done with it I, I i do not need to see this guy play quarterback in the nfl ever again it, it's that bad he could be a backup he could be a, a clipboard holder for someone guy does not need to be a starter in the nfl i'm tired of seeing mac jones play chad i there are a handful of some really bad quarterbacks. I'm going with just the apathy now. When have we? When's the last time we turned on a game with Derek Carr and we said, "Man, this guy's on fire. He's leading the Saints to the playoffs. He's he's going to lead the Raiders to the postseason." That happened one time. He had a great year where he broke his ankle, broke his leg uh, in Week 16. That doomed what could have been a, another playoff run for him as a quarterback. I know the Raiders ended up playing that game in Houston in the playoffs. Nonetheless, I, I'm just I'm tired of watching Derek Carr play because he's either getting injured, which is not his fault. Uh, he's playing through injury, which leads to poor play. He's throwing picks. Now he's you know knocked around and concussed. And they lose another game where all of a sudden – Desmond Ritter's Atlanta Falcons lead the NFC South as of right now, going into week 13. I'm ready to just flip the channel when Derek Carr's playing. And part of it is also hate watching the NFC South. It's been rough. We're five and six with the Saints, or sorry, the Falcons owning the tiebreaker. Falcons owning the tiebreaker. Five, five yeah. and six. Yeah. I'm, I mean, we're trending towards that losing record coming oh, yeah. out of the NFC South. That's for sure. But guys, looking at the opposite end of that spectrum as far as uh, somebody you don't want to watch, we've got a couple of candidates for the NFL MVP this year, and I'm curious who you guys are going with. Hutton, I think you're going to agree with me on this. It's Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Hurts yesterday showing off the running ability and the passing ability in a huge win 
in a, what was the best game of the weekend of the NFL over the Bills. Best, best quarterback and the quarterback of the best team. And I don't think it's all that close right now. The Eagles are the best team in the NFL. And there's a bit of a drop-off. Give me Jalen Hurts' as MVP. He's clutch. He's clutch. Uh, they had the stat last night when they're down double digits, how he pulls them back and they end up going on to win games. I think it's, what, five straight games now where he's done that? They're 27-2 and two in his last 29 regular season starts. They're 16-1 and one in their last 17. And he just keeps getting better. They didn't start the season all that great, but I've got full confidence that when he's got the ball, something special is going to happen, and he read the defense perfectly with the overtime run. Uh, the conditions were what they were. It was another game where, you know, Allen's playing great too, and he ends up on the losing end of it, just like we saw in the playoff game with, uh, with uh, Kansas City. But now the question is, how great can Philadelphia be? They can be great. And he can lead them back to the Super Bowl and win it. And they're going to do it with the most valuable player. And here's also why I point to him being that guy this year. They host the 49ers this Sunday. They then visit Dallas. Then they will go to Seattle. And then, well, the shine's off the national spotlight for Philly. But if they make this three-pack similar to what they've done with Buffalo, he's going to win the MVP because the final three games, stat stuffing time if he's in the game because it'll all be blocked up. Giants, Cardinals, Giants is how they finish the season in Philly. Guys, finally, and I agree with you. I think I think it's going to be stat Hertz. padding time with those with those last three games. Yes. Hertz finished second in the Heisman, did he not? Uh, sure, that sounds right. We'll go with that. We'll, yeah, that we'll, sounds good. We'll just throw it out now, and we'll, we'll fact check later. But I, I bring it up because today is the day that the Heisman ballots are distributed. And then next Monday, which will be December the 4th, that is the voting deadline, and we're going to know who the Heisman finalists are. But right now, guys, who's that next member of the Heisman house? Chad, the odds are not with me or you based on your preseason prediction, but I think yeah. they will be. I think they will be after this week. Michael Penix, Jr., a great value right now. Probably the same going into the season, if not better. Because it, uh, Vegas thinks it's going to be Bo Nix. Yeah, he's plus 1,500 right now, which is crazy to me. Yeah. Uh, Vegas thinks it's going to be Bo Nix. Jaden Daniels is at plus 130, followed by Penix and then Jalen Milrow. Um, unless they... It, they're going to cancel out a lot of someone that's going to run away with it, right? If Milrow ends up beating George, I don't think he's winning the Heisman, but he's going to cancel out someone whose vote would be, he would, they'd need the vote. It would be crucial. I just think that Washington's winning the game. And that's why I'm picking Michael Penix Jr. to win the Heisman. I want your pick to be the correct one, Hutton, and I am rooting like hell for Michael Penix Jr. to be the Heisman Trophy winner. But if I'm saying who's going to win it today, I think it's Bo Nix. He has had such a strong back half of the season uh, and I'm looking at what Vegas thinks is going to happen in this game. If that continues and Oregon wins this, I think Bo Nix is your Heisman Trophy winner. I think Penix, though, you're right. He's got a chance to win it this weekend. If he can have an amazing game and Washington wins and finishes undefeated in Pac-12 champion, I think he jumps Nix. And I think he jumps Jaden Daniels from LSU. And I think he's your Heisman Trophy winner. I want it to be Penix Jr., but I think it's Bo Nix. 928 electors, so a lot of them will be watching on 
Friday. Not yes. many of them in the Pacific Northwest. I'm, no, I'm guessing also. That's right. And they uh, those electors, they were watching Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma. He finished second to Joe Burrow. 841 first place votes, followed by 762 for Jalen Hurts. Stay tuned. More coming here on Hot Mike.